Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to Subway Sports Talk on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, wherever you may listen. Thank you so much, as always. Joining me to recap and look forward into this NFL season, as he has every week, plus the picks extraordinaire right now. Not looking at me. Definitely not looking at me. Pat Boyle, what's up with you, man? Yeah, Petey, thanks for the uh, shout-out there, man. 4-1 on the week. It was a good day. Um, and also a good day again for the Brownies. Dog pound. Let's go. Seven and three. I said, look out. Everybody was down the Browns. I said, oh, it's a trap game. It's a trap game. The Eagles suck. Went sucks. Proved it again. <laughs> Another win for the Browns. We move on to next week at Jacksonville. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Uh, I wish I had some of your success with the picks. We'll get into that later. But also joining us, a couple-week hiatus. Here he is. Back with not as much excitement, I imagine, but Chris Mule. What's up, dog? What's up, Petey? Glad to be back. Uh, not the happiest of Mondays for me. Um, you know, my Dolphins skidding out a little bit. Uh, thank God I'm on the Picks podcast, too. I'd also be a, a bigger loser if I shared that <laughs> to the public. But uh, <laughs> glad to be back chopping it up with you and Pat. Glad Pat has his hair. And uh, let's ride. Yes. Also glad Pat has his hair. I'm a little upset that Pat put the whole shave your head thing into the universe because now I'm feeling some sort of pressure here to to be responsible for my picks. And I, I do want to say this. I was 0-5 in my in my picks on the pod this week. Uh, thankfully, I had a couple, couple things on my personal side that made me not a complete loser, but my straight bets, including that one teaser I put in, 0-5, which some would argue is harder to do, right? Some would... You know, right? No, never mind. Anyways. It's just as hard to go on five as five and oh. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But now I do feel the, the need to be responsible for these picks. Uh, we do say on the pod, me and Pat are not just like making these picks for the pod. Like we are actually also betting these games. Like we're not just doing it. So I do feel responsible in the sense that I lost my own money. But, you know, comes the point that if I have another crap week like this, Woo, I might have to put something else besides the money where my mouth is. I don't know what that's going to be. Maybe I'll have to eat a, a whole onion while spitting out sports takes on the podcast. I don't know, but Pat put it into the universe to like, you know, hold himself responsible. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling it a little bit right now. I'm not going to lie. A whole onion. I don't know, man. I'm just spitballing over here. I'm just saying like. Dude, if I an zero and five stinker is like next level bad. That's you got to put something on the line, man. You got to give yourself that extra motivation. Yeah, maybe by Friday or I don't know what. Actually, sharks. It's uh, it's Thanksgiving this week, huh? So Pat, I don't know when we're gonna do the picks pod, but we'll figure out a moment in time to to make it happen. I guess uh, we'll figure that out later in the week. I just realized it's Thanksgiving, and that's just wild enough in and of itself that we're up to we're entering week twelve. Obviously, the Bucks and Rams are playing Monday night. That's as we record this pod. It just started the third quarter. Um, we're now in week 12 of the NFL season, and honestly, there's there's definitely some things we know, but there's really a lot of things that are still up in the air, You know, one of which we just talked about in the open with both of your teams in particular. The Browns have now won a few games in a row that were disgusting. They were ugly, and maybe that's how the Browns want to play, 
And maybe that's their strength, and that could be a great strength in the playoffs, right? Running the ball, mucking up the game, doing all sorts of stuff. And then on Mule's front, with the Dolphins, there was tons of hype on all angles. Their defense has been incredible. We love the coach. We love what they're doing. Tua has looked very good. And then crashed down to earth. Maybe it was they were due for a bad game. Not exactly sure. But where do we look at as, a, as far as confidence with the Dolphins after Tua just got benched in the second half for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Now, granted, he's going to start next week. It, it, it's still just kind of wild. So to, to give a quick rundown of what we plan to do here, now that we're entering week 12, it's time to take the playoff seating like pretty serious. And in the NFC, that gives us answers, at least as far as who the seven are going to be. But in regards to the AFC, and this is not an exaggeration, teams three through nine, that's three through nine, are separated by one game. We have the Bills, Colts, Titans, and Browns at seven and three, and then the Raiders, Ravens, and Dolphins at six and four. It is, uh, it is quite the, you know, group of solid teams. That none of seem, none of which seem to be able to break away from the pack right now in the AFC outside of the Chiefs and Steelers. So when we talk about the AFC, we're going to talk about those teams three through nine. But in regards to the NFC, we want to try to figure out who's the best of the best because every week it seems to change. Um, the Saints are technically the number one team in the NFC right now. Do we feel that that's true, even with the broken ribs of Drew Brees and all that stuff? So, uh, Pat, is there is there a conference that you want to start with? Or actually, you know what, we have something else to start with. Ain't that right? So. Pat, actually, why don't you just intro this segment here because it was kind of your idea with some of these quarterbacks, the young quarterbacks in particular, that their rookie seasons are now going on some some different paths. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you, you look at the three uh, big rookie quarterbacks of this class that all went within the first, you know, five, six picks and uh, some major news basically on all three fronts. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, unfortunately, the gruesome knee injury. You know, something you never want to see with how much promise he's shown this year. Torn ACL, torn MCL, knee damage. Uh, we're looking at 9 to 12 months. You hope he's going to be good to go to, to start next season. Um, and, you know, basically showed you everything you wanted in, in his rookie year. The ability to throw the ball. I mean, they were throwing it 50, 55 times a game, uh, you know, a couple of the games in the season. Uh, the ability to stay in the pocket, the presence. You know, basically, with the weapons he had, T. Higgins and A.J. Green and Boyd, like, that was about as promising of a start to Joe Burrow's career as you could have hoped for. And, you know, now it's cut short. At this point, you just hope he can recover. Then we, we take a look at Tua. Major news on that front. Benched in just his, what was it, fourth career start. Uh, lost to the Broncos. You know, it just happened that once everybody got on the Dolphins train, they, they crashed down to earth a little bit. Um, and then you had, you know, Justin Herbert, the guy I've been the highest on since the start. And, you know, I was against the Jets with a couple of uh, basically XFL players on defense, backup cornerbacks, you know, half that defense is gone. That's an insult to PJ Walker. Exactly. Hey, PJ Walker lit it up. But Justin Herbert slinging it all over the place. You saw the arm strength, the ability to throw the ball down the field, accurate. Uh, and really, he has been every about as, as every good as I hope for, and about as every good as a lot of people hope for. So, yeah, really, three completely different directions those rookie quarterbacks went in this week, um, and I think it's definitely worth talking about. And you absolutely hate to see the Burrow the Burrow situation with the injury. I mean, it's unfor- it's even extra unfortunate because obviously that can happen to pretty much any football player at any time, right? We we know this, but it's extra unfortunate as my dog whines in the background, she's also sad about it, um, 
that we we had a feeling this was even more likely, perhaps, with Joe Burrow because of how much he's been hit, because of how rough that O-line has looked at certain points of this uh, this year. I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> all right, all right, that's enough out of you, okay? She's very upset with the quarterback play. Uh, She's upset with the O-line line play. Line. And, you know, who who wouldn't be? And and, and it's, it's just, like, it's so sad because there's been jokes I've heard on podcasts saying, like, there's only a matter of time before he's knocked out of a game. And obviously you never expect a torn ACL or the injuries that he got maybe added to the ACL. We're still waiting on that result. But, gosh, does that suck? It really, really does. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, again, you know, is especially going up against that Washington front seven with their ability to get after the quarterback and how it was kind of, you know, an ugly game where there was not a lot of offense and Cincinnati was trying to get it going. And you saw them getting to him. The offensive line kept collapsing. The pocket kept collapsing on him. And, you know, you saw the one hit. You knew it right away. The the leg just buckled under him. It collapsed on him, kind of just bent his knee inward. And right away, he's clutching at his knee. You just knew it wasn't good. So something you never want to see. And, again, at this point, you saw basically everything you needed to see from him. You know he's your guy. You just hope he can stay healthy for the future. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's just, it's, there's not much else to say, really, right? It just, it sucks all around for the Bengals, for fans of him and for him the most, of course. So, Mule, I do want to go to you, though, because we'll move this conversation to the Tua front. And uh, I mean, first of all, let's just say this. Before we go to the whole game breakdown and the outlook on the rest of the season, what crossed your mind when you heard or saw that Fitzpatrick was coming in that game? And uh, maybe add in there if you expected that to happen. Well, I definitely didn't expect them to pull uh, to. I think it was fourth quarter, like eight minutes left. Um, that was I was devastated because you know we we were talking before the show. You know, the it's the first game where he faced a little adversity, and it's not like we were down twenty, down thirty, we're down seven points to the Broncos, a mediocre football team. Uh, yeah, you're on the road. Their defense is playing good. Vic Fangio came up with a good defensive game plan. Um, but it's the first time you maybe get to see, you know, besides maybe the Arizona game, you know, what can the kid do under pressure and, you know, down on the road? You know, what can he do? And I was excited to see how he would respond. And unfortunately, I didn't get to see that. And, um, you know, maybe Brian Flores, he said in his postgame presser, you know, he thought the best chance to win was Brian Fitzpatrick. You know, maybe maybe that's the case, but listen, this is your guy. This is the future. 22-year-old, fifth-round draft pick, uh, fifth pick of the draft, rather. You know, you got to write it out. He's 3-0, hasn't been spectacular, but, you know, if that's your guy, you can't just pull him once a little adversity hits. You know, you're down seven points. You can't just panic and pull him. So, you know, I'm always the first guy to compliment Brian Flores, but for sure, um, I was devastated, to say the least, for sure. It, I I agree with you, and uh, I think it's fair, extra fair for you and I. I actually kind of forget where Pat lands on this topic, but it's extra fair for you and I in this regard because we were on board with the pulling of Fitzpatrick in the first place, right? And then he, he presents to you after he gets a chance to come back in the game, quote, giving the team the best chance to win, what Ryan Fitzpatrick does, perhaps the best, right? Make you feel yeah. all sorts of hope and then rip it away with the bad turnover or whatever it may be coming up just short. So like that was, that shouldn't anyone who's watched Fitzpatrick for an extended period of time, whether it be with the Texans or the jets or now the dolphins or the bills, no one who ever watched him for an extended period of time should be shocked on how that played out when he came into the game. And Pat, I know you were watching the drive again 
uh, before we started recording, like where, 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 first of all, where did you land with the timing of putting Tua in? Were you on board with it? And uh, how'd you feel about the pulling of Tua now to go back to, to Fitzmagic or lack thereof? I, I thought it was warranted. Honestly, I disagree with you guys. I thought it was warranted. Um, you saw, and to let me, you know, preface that by saying that I'm more upset with Brian Flores and the offense is, you know, preparation for this game and their game plan more so than pulling two in the fourth quarter when it had been basically a failure uh, after the first drive, when they get the interception and they score a touchdown. After that, they did absolutely nothing. And, you know, that, that's on Flores. And it's also on two, and it's also on the offensive line. Uh, they had basically little to no protection for him for most of the game. Uh, but you can see, you know, watching the highlights, going back and watching, rewatching parts of that game, wasn't going through the progressions quickly enough. Um, and, and, you know, basically I was just saying to Mule before we started, every drive it felt like for Miami, it was no gain, no gain, third and eight, third and nine, third and seven, third and eight, third and 15, a couple, you know, holding penalties, false starts. You know, you're looking at third and major yardage every drive you're not giving him a chance to succeed um he wasn't you know making the short throws when needed to pick up some yardage the offensive line wasn't protecting it was an all-around abysmal performance from the offense and at that point yeah you know i understand the point uh, that mule says it's a valid point you want to see him face the adversity uh but you know I, again you you saw what flores said right after the game he's our guy he's going to be the starter again next sunday he's our quarterback going forward um i, I think when you isolate that specific game you have a, a chance to put in a veteran like Fitzpatrick who's been in positions like that before. You know he can lead those kind of quick drives when Tua wasn't been able to. And, um, you know, that and the fact that Denver was starting to slack off a little bit, I think, in those last uh, couple minutes, they were given a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just made sense. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with, the, with, with pulling Tua, especially because you're going right back to him next Sunday. There's going to be plenty more chances for him to face adversity. And, yeah, you'd like to – you know, you'd like to get him, uh, you get it under his belt early, but you know, Fitzpatrick, you know, he, he gets you back in the game. He leads the quick drive to get a field goal. And then he leads you all the way down from the one yard line, all the way to the 15. And he, and he throws the pick in the end zone as he's done so many times, but yeah, just within that isolated incident, I don't, I don't mind pulling Tua at all. Um, I think it was the right call. And, but again, just overall, abysmal performance all around from the offense and a really bad game plan. Cause again, they did nothing on first and second down all game long. Yeah. I, I'm going to hard count you there, Pat, because you know, you sit here and say, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick might give you the best chance to win the game, but what are we saying today? If Ryan Fitzpatrick goes 99 yards with three minutes left at Denver and the Dolphins end up winning a game in overtime, are we wow. sitting here saying oh, like, how's he going to confidently say, you know, uh, we're going to go back to Tua next week. If Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in, scores like 10-13 unanswered and leads a, you know, game-winning drive and a game-winning, you know, possibly overtime, you know? So I kind of think, you know, that he threw an interception late game was almost a blessing in disguise because I kept telling myself, I said, if he goes down the field 99 yards right now and he throws a touchdown and we go to overtime, we win this, I said, this is going to be terrible because – What's going to happen? What always happens? The team rallies around Ryan Fitzpatrick. He plays with juice. I get it. He's fun to watch. He goes out. He runs. He's a madman. He's great. He's fun to watch. I get it. But, you know, he goes out there and does that, and everyone's all juiced up that we come back and we beat the Broncos, you know, and he's the Lord and Savior for that game. We go 7-3. and three. Not that much of an easy decision for Brian Flores to go up on the podium and say, yeah, we're going to roll with Tua next week. You know, things get a little complicated. And 
Tua goes, you know, Tua goes back and says, oh, maybe, you know, he starts questioning himself, which he probably already is, but it'd probably be even worse. So, yeah, that's, you know. that's, a, that's a great point, man, honestly. Um, and I just want to, uh, I, I want to kind of counter that. And by saying, you know, there's a couple of things. One, that's obviously now up to Flores and the rest of the coaching staff to continue to back Tua throughout the week, say, hey, you know, remember, that was only your fourth game. You ran into a good defense um, either way. Even without Von Miller, you know, we, we saw what Denver was able to do. They've got they're good in pass coverage. And when they're sending guys, when Fangio's blitz schemes are hitting, like they're 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 tough defense. So that's up to him. It's up to Flora to say, hey, look, you're still our guy. Don't worry about it. I don't want you to second guess yourself. You know, so it's up to him to communicate that. You know, that, that that's some of the little parts of coaching that we, you know, you don't see on Sundays. You see it, it's throughout the week behind closed doors. And I think too, again, that's you know that that's Flores recognizing that's the team you have again I don't think you expected to be six and three going into that game against Denver you are so that made it a little bit tough um and also you you know you have to know what kind of team you are if you're constant like Miami's a team that can't fall behind 10 13 points because they don't have the offensive firepower to come back and that's the point where you know hey look we're down 13 Fitzpatrick probably gives us a better chance to have a chance of coming back but you're not expecting to be down two scores in third, fourth quarter every week. That's a Miami team where if they're getting takeaways like they did and they're, you know, keeping teams with that amoeba defense in front of them and you got a close game or you're in front, that's where Tua and this offense is going to succeed. So, I mean, if you're, you know, you're not going to play for a game plan where you're going to be behind. You're playing for a game plan where you're going to be ahead or it's going to be a close game throughout and you can rely on Tua and the offense to keep you know, chipping away, chipping away, and, and have your defense and the special teams be the difference makers. So, I mean, if you're falling behind every week anyway, like, obviously something's not working. I don't expect that to be the case going forward, but. And I definitely agree with you on that front. And what you said before, there was an abysmal offensive game plan. I mean, I'm going to shoot this name out. Chan Gailey's the offensive coordinator. He's, like, 87 years old. I'm probably exaggerating. <laughs> he, might, he might be, like, 70s. Um, I'll stat I'll stat check it. Years. And, and uh, my biggest guy with that whole game, when Ryan Fitzpatrick came in the game, Chan Gailey spread it out, went empty, went up-tempo. You're telling me we can't do that with Tua? Um, you know, listen, all around, big letdown game. You know, Pat, you make some great points, I'm not going to lie. Um, but you know, hopefully going forward, like you just said, there's some coaching during the week that they just reiterate, listen, you're our guy, okay, it happens. You know, a little bump in the road, we'll be okay. And, you know, I told you guys before the show, we got the Jets and we have the Burrowless Bengals. Yeah. So, you know, we're six and four. We're in prime position to hopefully go eight and four. Now, you know, I don't want to speak too soon, but I would like to say that we'd be able to handle both of those teams, but you never know. Um, but two good games for Tua to hopefully get his confidence back. And uh, like Pete said before, we could get that, uh, you know, that AFC playoff picture that's nice and tight with your brownies too, Pat. Hopefully we can just compete and uh, bring it down to the wire. Yeah, and I think that play really quick to, to finish on this, Pete, not, not mm -hmm. to jump in front of you. But, yeah, mm -hmm. obviously, and I think that plays into it too. You know, you're, you're playing the Jets and you're playing the Bengals without Burrow the next two weeks. So it's not like, you know, you're going into a, a tough stretch of schedule where it's like, you know, shit, our quarterback now, Tua might have his confidence knocked down even further if we're playing a Tampa Bay, if we're playing a, a Rams defense. You're playing two teams that you could, you could probably beat handily. Your defense can be the difference makers, and Tua can do what he did the last three weeks. And I think that's what Flores and this team are expecting to. I think you got to feel pretty confident that you can go out and do that. Yeah, it's uh, you guys had a great little back and forth there. 
there's just a, a couple things that that lean to just if this is truly your guy, he should not be taken out. And I, Mule, honestly, I didn't even think of that whole point of what what are we saying or what are we doing now if Fitzpatrick come like leads them to a comeback because that would ensue madness. That would make everything that we thought. I, did, I didn't want it to happen. I, I was praying he didn't throw a touchdown. As as sinister as that sounds. Well, I was at that point, you're rooting that for Sal. Uh, what's his name? Salvin Ahmed to to rip off a 50 yarder or like a screen pass or some shit like that. Because that, that then it would be like the best of both worlds for you. Because otherwise, it's a great point. It's it's very weird to now see this team that Brian Flores has made it clear they want to win. They want to be in the playoffs. They want to be in the dance, right? They want to be there. They want to be looked at as a serious team. What happens now? What ha- I don't even know what would happen here if Fitzpatrick leads them to a thing. To a win, everybody who you know said it was too soon to pull him now feels vindicated, and everybody who loved on Tua for the past couple of weeks in different ways you know, are, are they wrong? Probably not. Like, I don't know. So it's very strange. And quick uh, follow-up, Chan Gailey is 68 years old, but if you look at the first image, that, uh, <laughs> the, the first image on Google that pops up, he looks 86. So, uh, yeah, I, not listen, sure. Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a feeling. I, I just based it off. He's been, in the, he's been in the NFL forever. Guy wasn't coaching. He literally said when he got the call, he was like, I was sitting on my couch and Brian Flores called me. Doesn't that tell you something? <laughs> you're, you know, you were in OC hey, and you're sitting on your couch. You know, I'm sitting on my couch too. So. Yeah, uh, that's funny. And uh, I will just, I'll just throw this out there, right? The likelihood of the Jets going 0-16 is is definitely possible, but 0-16, no matter how bad a team is, is not exactly likely. What you as a Dolphins fan, Mule, need to hope for is that Sammy D doesn't come back. You want one more week of Flacco because I know Sam Darnold hasn't been good this year, but the Jets, for some reason, have been like like 10% friskier in the past two weeks. I don't know why, but if I were you, I'd be a little bit nervous over there. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the Jets' schedule, too, their last winnable game, in my eyes, unfortunately, is Miami. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not saying that because the Jets are good, but I'm saying that because of, you know, years past and division yeah, rivalry. Division, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm sweating. Trust me. I mean, you look. Know, I, I say confidently that we might win, but I'm definitely sweating. I mean, Hopefully, you, I, Sam Donald takes another load off. I'm not sure what the spread is right now, but I imagine it's six, six and a half or something like that, right? It's got to be close to a touchdown for the Dolphins at this point in time. I think you're right on that. I think it is exactly six and a half. Yeah, I can, yep. get, I can't, I can guess the lines. I can't get them right. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, we'll move on from there. It's a good conversation and one that we'll obviously be keeping up with uh, over the, the, next, the next, you know, eight weeks into the playoffs perhaps if the Dolphins do pull that off. And then, you know, not much else to say about Justin Herbert other than the fact that, you know, he beat a Jets team. He made another bunch of great throws. He's just going to have to overcome a Chargers organization that doesn't seem to be able to consistently do the right thing, consistently put W's on the board, and yeah, we'll have to, to monitor that. A, he has to overcome a mediocre head coach. Yeah, mediocre head coach and a lackluster franchise, realistically. Like, since the LT days, this, this team has been the opposite of consistency, and they love to throw away games. So we'll see if Herbert could be uh, – you know, the guy to keep them together and keep them in the win column. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll monitor that as well as we go. Uh, all right, let's move on, and let's let's stick it with the AFC here. Since we just talked about the Dolphins, we could use that as a bit of a launch pad to talk about the rest of the AFC teams here. Uh, and I want to start with one team that seems to be – it's just – they're just one of those teams that you bang your head against the wall if you try to predict what they're going to do. If you try to bet on them, 
you're probably going to be wrong. You try to bet against them, you're probably going to get a foot in your mouth. You're just going to feel really crappy about this team no matter what. And uh, great segue as well from the Chargers to the Colts. Old man Rivers, Phil Rivers, and the Colts just beat the Green Bay Packers. A Packers team who pretty much all of us would probably assume could handle the Colts. Aaron Rodgers over Phil Rivers all day, every day. That being said, this Colts team has an ability to clearly put teams away. Yet they lost to the Ravens a couple weeks back, and the Ravens now look like a piece of crap. So can anyone give me any sort of light, any sort of something that I could like really hold on to and be confident in with the Colts? Or are they truly just a crap show team that goes up and down every week? I have no idea what to think about this team. Um, well, yeah, the, no, there's definitely some things you can hold on to. One, it's that they probably have the most elite offensive line in the league, and that is the reason why, uh, even without Marlon Mack, with guys like with Jonathan Taylor, who honestly he's been a beast, uh, with guys like Jonathan Taylor and Hines and Wilkins, they were, they're still running for 125, 140 yards every game because you got those big, big fatties on the offensive line, Costanza and those guys, um, probably a top – if not the best offensive line in the league, right up there with uh, number two or number three. Um, so they've got that. And that's the reason why Rivers has so much protection. He's only been sacked, I think, less than 15 times this year, maybe only even 10. Um, he only got sacked once by Green Bay. Uh, that and the fact that their defense is elite. And even though they gave up 28 points in the first half to Green Bay, it was just three in the entire second half. They outscored them 20 to three after halftime. And so elite defense with the ability to stop the run when they need it, the offensive line, and Frank Reich and the coaching staff. I mean, they have been tremendous the way they've coached that game. Now, granted, the way they almost blew that game to the Packers uh, definitely wasn't pretty. What was it, nine penalties on that last drive? I mean, it was getting hard to watch. But for the most part, this coaching staff has done a tremendous job this year. Reich has been aggressive at every turn. Uh, and the uh, the offensive line's been great, and Philip Rivers has really um, made a stand to not turn the ball over uh, over the last few weeks. And this is a team, even with a quarterback like Rivers, that doesn't have a lot of you know firepower left in them. They can play from behind, no matter who they're playing against. We saw it against Tennessee. We just saw it on Sunday against Green Bay, down two scores at the half to still pull that out. I mean, it is just a team you watch every Sunday. They pick up another win. And you're saying, how are they doing that? But it comes down to great coaching and great, you know, great play in the trenches. And another uh, – yeah, definitely. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Pete. All you. No, you know, Pat makes great points, and I'm speaking from a salty – you know, I'm always against the Colts. They knocked me out of my survivor pool. I bet on the Packers on Sunday. But, you know, I read something. I read an article. I forget who posted it. Um, someone said, tell me why the Colts can't make a – I know it sounds a little crazy, but the, the Colts can't make a Super Bowl push. Oof. My answer to that would be Phillip Rivers, but besides Phillip Rivers, you know, you can't find many holes on that Colts roster, whether it's defensively or like Patrick said, the offensive line. Um, they run the ball. Uh, they don't put it all on Phillip Rivers. He's not dropping back 50 times a game. Um, that's a good football team, um, you know, and they might be able to make a strong push coming down the end. If Phil Rivers keeps playing the way he's playing, he's not turning the ball over and they play sound defense like they have, uh, the Colts can definitely make some noise. They're a scary team. I don't think anyone wants to play the Colts because, first of all, I, I'm a big Frank Reich guy. Uh, Frank Reich might be the sole reason why Carson Wentz was good for a couple of years. Facts. Um, but, you know, the Colts are dangerous for sure. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, 
one nice one-two punch, like uh, Pat said. Wilkins is pretty solid too, but the Colts are definitely scary for sure. So, so there's only let me make sure this count is right. Um, there's only three, four teams who have given up less points than the Colts this year. Can can we take a guess? Five teams, sorry, five teams right. given up less points than the Colts. Rams, yes. Ravens, yes, the Bucks, no. Dolphins. Yes, Dolphins? that's three. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> the one, uh, has, the one has the best record in the league. The Steelers. They've only they've Pittsburgh. given up the oh. they've given up the fewest. And then there's one more. Is or is that? Is, are they under five hundred? Oh, sorry. Actually, no. The Bears have given up one more point. I was looking at that wrong. <clears throat> the Bears yeah, gave up gonna... one more point than the Colts. So only four teams have given up less points than the Colts. And that's a recipe yep. to stay in games. And that's a recipe that if you do have, you know, no turnovers from Old Man Rivers, you should win. You should win. Uh, they're a weird team. They're a team that y- you just, you don't know if they have the offensive firepower to stick up with some teams, then they then they show it out. Because they can't run the ball, then they run the ball. And it, it's just mind-boggling to think about this Colts team sometimes. I think it just comes down to P. I mean, it's pretty consensus. I think just people do not want to back Philip Rivers. Yeah, it's I mean, true. It's a, people don't want it. They don't want it at all. Why would you? It's a, it's a quarterback-driven league. We, we you know, we value teams on whether they can win a Super Bowl based on their quarterback. It's a fair argument. Uh, but we've seen teams get to the Super Bowl and win Super Bowls with average quarterbacks. I mean, we look at what what, what has Jared Goff been for his career? He's been a pretty average quarterback. And the Rams nearly won a Super Bowl two years ago with him. Jimmy Garoppolo. Another guy who, yeah, up until this year, he's won 80% of his games, but he doesn't do anything, you know, extraordinary. So this is another example. The Colts are another example of a team like that. Yeah, and a guy like uh, Michael Pittman has been helping Old Man Rivers out a bit. I heard a stat on the the Ringer NFL show, Nora Princiati. I want to give her credit at least. I don't know. Uh, He's had, I think it was four crossing routes over the past two weeks, and they've gone for like a buck 50 and a touchdown, four for four. (laughs) Like, just Philip Rivers needs a guy like Michael Pittman now, who looks a lot like Chase Claypool with the size and the stature, where all of a sudden he catches a six-yard pass and he turns it up for 40. Uh, and having that game-changer or that game-breaker for a guy like Phil Rivers, and we saw a guy like Eli Manning in his last years, probably the only reason his career extended the extra two or three years is because Odell was taking slants from 5 to 95. So maybe they have some juice but goddamn, I ain't betting on them in the playoffs that much. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely but, not. But you I, shouldn't listen Col- to me. Be- you shouldn't listen to me. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The Col- if, if Jacoby Beef Brisket was playing quarterback for the Colts, <laughs> they'd still be they'd still be a winning Brisket. football team. I just want to I just want to say that. Oh, so I'll end it there. Gosh, that's that's good stuff. Let's move on though, because I want to stay in the AFC. I want to talk about a couple more teams. Uh, we're gonna get to a different seven and three team right now. There's three of them that feel very similar. This one is in the same division as the Colts. That's the Tennessee Titans. I mean, they they won this week against the Ravens, and you feel real good. It went to overtime. Uh, A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry basically said, Ravens, get off me. I'm carrying this team to a win right now towards the end of the game. Ravens also couldn't put the ball in the end zone late, and that was it. But the Titans have been wildly up and down, too. Their defense is not very good. Tannehill can look like a different quarterback half to half. Uh, if you're ranking the Colts, just so we don't go too long on all these, if you're ranking the Colts, the Titans, and the Bills, all at seven and three, all with quarterbacks with some flaws, all with def- uh, teams with some flaws, 
you know, where do the Titans land in, in that grouping there? Are they above the Colts or the Bills because of some of the star power they have on offense? Or is that defense really holding them back from true success? I feel like, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good point. I mean, I feel like you have to put the Bills up there just because of that firepower they have on offense. Uh, but, you know, the Bills and even Tennessee, they have pretty abysmal defenses. Um, and like we just said, the Colts have a pretty stud defense. So, you know, in the long run, you would like to think that good defense will sustain success. So, you know, if, if I had a pick, unfortunately, I would probably go Bills, Colts, Titans. Uh, I only say the Bills because, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills offense with Stephon Diggs is looking looking unstoppable. But, you know, the Titans' bad defense and even the Bills' bad defense, maybe one day, uh, it, it might catch up to them for sure. Yeah, Mila, I think you, you nailed it. Uh, that was the exact order I was going to give out. Um, you look at the Bills, the offense they have, even with a lackluster defense, they can offset that because of the firepower they have on offense. Josh Allen's been an MVP candidate. And even though the defense isn't that great, they're able to get turnovers. You know, they've got a decent amount of takeaways on the year. So, you know, guys like Tredavious White, who's one of the best lockdown corners in the league, he's been able to force turnovers. And even though they give up a decent amount of yards and a lot of points, they get stops at, at times when they need them. Um, and, and again, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to put the Titans in front of the Colts when they got dominated as bad as they did on Thursday night in that second half, uh, two weeks ago. So yeah, I would have the bills first Colts next Titans third, but you know, again, there's still time for, uh, these teams to make adjustments week in and week out. They all, I think all three of them have great coaches between McDermott, Brabel and Reich. So they're, you know, they're all three teams again, that you know, any one of them, you, I, I wouldn't see, I wouldn't put it past them making a dark horse run of the AFC title game. Now, now let me let me ask this specific question because I did kind of point this towards the Titans, and this is something now we're hearing more and more every single week with the Titans. Derrick Henry is a second-half runner, right? It, it makes sense when you watch the games. The Ravens game was the perfect example. He was getting corralled. He was getting hit in the first half. All of a sudden, the second half comes around. No one wants to hit this guy anymore. They're over it. It sucks. It's no fun to try to tackle him for four quarters. Last year... That was true for the whole season, right? No one wanted to tackle this guy the entirety of the second half of the season last year. Is there a run potential? And when I say run, I don't mean like run plays. I mean uh, a Tennessee Titan true playoff run again like there was last year off the back of Derrick Henry if it is true that he keeps getting stronger and stronger not only in halves but in games. Because if they run the ball like they're capable of, they can legit beat anybody as we saw they did last year. I think um, that's a great point, Pete. You know, Derrick Henry running the ball 24 times a game is definitely going to wear on any defense in the NFL. I don't care who it is. Um, you got you got that guy, excuse my French, an absolute brick shithouse running at you 25 times a game. You know, like you said, second half, you really want to chop those legs down when it comes down to it? Probably not. I know I don't, but that's a different No chance story. in France. Yeah, so, you know, Derrick Henry pounding the rock and Ryan Tannehill playing efficient, you know, and making plays to A.J. Brown, uh, John U. Smith, and Corey Davis, who's came on this year. You know, they definitely could make a run for sure. Um, you know, if, they, if he runs for 125 yards a game and Tannehill throws two touchdowns and he's efficient, doesn't turn the ball over, I can't see why not. You know, I spoke before, I said the defense is pretty poor, but then again, Dory Jackson was hurt. I believe uh, Davion Clowney was out as well. So if they get healthy, you know, you never know what can happen. Man, the AFC is just wild to look at. Like, like seriously, just go, 
Just go on to ESPN, click standings, click playoff, and you're going to look at the Bills, Colts, Titans, Browns, Raiders, Ravens, Dolphins, and you're like, holy hell. Like, this week we're going to be out on the Dolphins and the Ravens. You know, the Raiders probably stand pat because they lost to the best team in the league in the Chiefs. But next week, like just one week from now, I'm not sure off the top of my head who all those teams play, but just one week from now, we could have a huge flip in the standings, and uh, you know the, the Dolphins could be back in the picture, the Ravens could be back in the picture, the Titans get blown out, Phil Rivers throws four picks, and this whole conversation we just had, you know, feels pointless because there's so much parity uh, in this in this conversation, in the AFC uh, playoff picture. Um, if there is one team right now, this would be quick, quick hitting here. There's one team uh, of the six and fours. Since we just talked about the seven and threes, we did leave out the Browns, Pat. I apologize about that. We can get to. I was in a waiting second. for that, man. Patty. I was going to say we we talked about seven win teams. We're I, not even I, talking I, about the you know what? I, what I just I, sleeping on them. I, I the, on, the, the reason why that happened, to be honest, I I grouped the Titans and the Bills together because their style right now, and I should have grouped the Browns with the Colts because it's a quarterback we can't trust, but it's a run game that can can really take over and the defense can make plays. So. Maybe I should have given the Browns some more credit. It also kind of feels hard to really judge the Browns right now because despite winning against the Texans and now against the Eagles this week, I feel like we didn't see, like, real football games. They were disgusting weather. It was gross. Like, what can you – Pat, even as a fan, other than, like, their toughness and the run game being awesome, like, what do you take away from this team? Like, extra fight? Like, what is it? That they have found a way to win games that they couldn't in years past. And Kevin Stefanski Simple has, enough. Done a tremendous, has done a tremendous job in year one. They've battled some injuries. Miles Garrett was out. Their best, you know, best, maybe a best all-around defensive player in the NFL this year, along with Aaron Donald. Um, and they have found a way to win games in a variety of ways. In the last couple of weeks, they've all been ugly. They, you know, pouring rain, dog shit weather in Cleveland. They've won them. And those are games that they probably haven't won in years past. You look at their schedule. Uh, they've basically got two very favorable games, one against the Jaguars, one against the Jets, two very difficult games against the Ravens and the Steelers, and then one in between against the Giants. So um, keep sleeping on the Browns. A lot of people have been sleeping on the Browns. Um, and, you know, they'll just – I mean, hey, look, I got to be honest. You know, look, out of the seven wins, two have come against the Bengals, three have come against the NFC East. So – there has been that. I understand it's fair <laughs> criticism, but they're winning games, and they just got to keep winning games because you you know you expect them to be eight and three after next week too. After they if, if they could beat uh, if they could beat Jacksonville, and and you can't take away you know from a team that does what they're supposed to do that beats the teams they're supposed to beat. It's kind of simple, right? So it's easy to maybe load up on them a little bit, but also you know they're doing they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do against the teams they're supposed to be, and that is something to hang your hat on. That being said, Pat, do you have confidence of them going into Buffalo, say, and keeping up with that offense or shutting down that offense for that matter? If they're healthy, yeah. Um, you know, they're going to have – they're going to be without Garrett – Miles Garrett again against Jacksonville. That's a guy where you're facing a good team and you absolutely have to have him. You know, in football, it, it takes a special kind of player to be a guy where he can make or break a game. Miles Garrett is that player, so – Hey, if they got everybody, if they're healthy, um, you know, they got Chubb and Hunt and they got Miles Garrett, the running back core and Miles Garrett on defense. Honestly, I think they can beat a lot of teams in this league. I think they can uh, win a game in the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, it's a little biased. I'm a fan of, you know, I'm obviously a Browns fan, but hey, look, yeah, they've beaten teams they should have beat. They've also beaten a team they shouldn't have beat when they took down the Colts back all the way in week five. I mean, look at that win now. That's looking like a True. pretty damn big uh, win for them now. 
and they beat the Cowboys 49-38. You know, that was like the game that sent everybody over the edge. Like, oh, my God, how bad is Dallas's defense really is? So, you know, they, they've, they've won some games, they well, high-scoring games. They've won some low-scoring games. Uh, overall, I'd like to see them go and beat Jacksonville, and then, hey, we'll see what they can do against Tennessee in two weeks. Absolutely. That's good stuff. And uh, one word, real quick, just pick a team. Out of the six and fours, Raiders, Ravens, Dolphins, who we like the most to sneak into that seven spot. I mean, come on. All right, I'm, I, I want to yeah. say Dolphins, but... All right, so, I'm, Mule, I'm for you, one. out of the Ravens and the Raiders, who you like? <laughs> I like the Raiders. Uh, you know, last night was a tremendous football game. I definitely like the Raiders. Um, Derek Carr's been playing lights out this year. Uh, Jonathan Jacobs is a stud. They got some playmakers on defense. I do like the Raiders, you know. They took one from Kansas City, lost one to Kansas City. I guess that was a given, that second one. But I think the Raiders, well, you know, the Raiders have to go through the Dolphins, I think, week 16. So I'm, I'm very biased to answer this question. But, you know, I do like the Raiders for sure. Yeah, Raiders, absolutely. They've opened up a lot of people's eyes the last couple of weeks. Um, you look at their four losses, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, and early on against New England before the, tra- you know, the train uh, fell off tracks with the Patriots. So, all four losses have been good losses. And, you know, if that def- the defense is sieve-like, is if they can find a way to improve and, you know, get some more takeaways so that they're not giving up 400 yards a game, we see it. the offense is honestly – they're a top-10 offense. They're incredible. You're, you're no right, question. Like, Derek Carr's been great. Darren Waller's an absolute stud. Josh Jacobs might be a top five – he is a top five running back in the league. And the offensive line has really, really come into their own when they've been able to stay healthy. I mean, let's – you know, Trent Brown, I think, has missed now three games in a row. He's probably their best lineman. So that's another team, man. Look out. They could uh they could surprise a lot of people. I wouldn't be surprised they finished ten and six. Yeah, the Raiders also need to stop getting COVID. I mean, let's go. Come yeah. on. Yeah. We need we need a COVID list for the Raiders that is like less than five this week coming up. Yeah. <laughs> They're brutalizing themselves right there. And uh, you know, obviously the Ravens had a pretty demoralizing loss last week uh, against the Titans. They haven't looked great now for a couple weeks. It's really frustrating, and I'm sure they're frustrated. And I've been backing them pretty intently on this podcast. Ah, God. And as badly as I want to say it's the Ravens, you know, seventh spot or the Ravens playoff berth to lose, how can you say that with any confidence after the performances they've put up over the past couple of weeks? Granted, they played in a monsoon against New England. And then yesterday, it's not like they played a bad team in the Titans. That's a good team, but whew, it's it's getting ugly for Baltimore right now. And the quick turnaround Thursday night in Pittsburgh. Right. It, and, you know, it ain't going to get any easier, bro. You know what? I said earlier in the year, because I picked the Ravens in that game where they played the Steelers, uh, and I'm, I'm still pissed that the Ravens lost because they, they just turned the ball over a couple times in the red zone, and, and that really, you know, turned the whole game. It was a lot closer than people thought. Ravens had a way better offensive showing than the Steelers did that day, but they just turned it over and didn't win. You just mentioned how the Raiders won one against the Chiefs. They split. That's still a huge win for the Raiders. In theory, I really like the Ravens to, and Steelers to split in a year like this. Like, do I think that the Steelers are truly a 10-0, and straight-up juggernaut, like, best team in the AFC? No. I still think the Chiefs are a better team than the Steelers. That being said, you cannot take away anything from what the Steelers have done so far this year. I'm pretty sure the line's a little sneaky weird as well as it, what, like, Two is like two and a half or something like that. Think, three and a half. I think it's three and a half right now, which is kind of crazy. It's a little sneaky, weird, and uh, you know that is the only thing holding me on uh, to the holding me to the Ravens right now, and thinking that this divisional rival could end up a split, which is pretty much something that should happen 
with two teams like this. They should split, in theory, pretty much every night. It looks like the line has moved to four and a half. I guess maybe some money came in on Pittsburgh. Not sure. We'll see what happens by Thursday night. I, I'm going to say right now, I don't I know. they get smacked in the mouth on Thursday night. You think the Ravens yeah, get Patty. smoked I've by been, the Steelers? I've been, I've been good off Baltimore for a few weeks now. Uh, I think the shine has worn off Lamar Jackson. You know, MVP last year, and hell, he deserved it. But yeah, you can see defensive teams have, have game planned well for him. Mm-hmm. You take you take his feet away, and again, you know, he's not an elite thrower of the football. I don't want to sound corny like everybody did last year. Guy won the MVP for a reason. But, he, you know, if you take away his legs, he's not an elite quarterback. And teams have been able to do that. And now you've got Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins both with COVID, not yep. playing Thursday. It's going to be down to the Gus. But are they definitely the out on Thursday? Yeah, they're definitely they're out. Both, yeah. Oh, they I thought COVID. they were just on the COVID list. I didn't know no, if they, they were. Haven't. De- they're, they're done. So it's going to be down to Gus Bus to be uh, take on the load for them on Thursday night. Uh, I think the Steelers win that game by at, at least double digits. Ooh. Patty, Patty stole my point. I was actually going to make a little quick fantasy. Oh, I, I know. No, it's all good. Gus Edwards is, uh, I know he's a free agent in a couple fantasy leagues. I know he's going up against the Steelers, but uh, you know, Staten Island guy might might get uh might get, have a nice game against Pittsburgh. I, I mean, so he's going to have like seventeen touches at least, right? Like, come on, there's no doubt. There's no, there's no one else. I don't even think they're going to have to elevate somebody from the practice squad, but he's definitely going to get a nice load. Absolutely. All right. Well, hopefully our boy Gus does the does the job. We we love Gus on this pod. Justice you know, Hill Staten Island guy, running back. Justice Hill, classic fantasy vulture. Give him, give him a, give him a goal line fucking swing pass. <laughs> You'll start Gus Edwards. He'll get, you know, seventeen for sixty-eight. You'll be like, all right, that's a nice, that's not bad. Just get in the end zone, we'll be all good. And then Justice Hill will punch one in, and you're gonna hate yourself. So when that happens, talk to me. I'll, I'll help walk you down a little bit. Uh, let's move on on the Subway Sports Talk podcast with Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle, and Chris Mule to the NFC. And uh, this is a different conversation. But a conversation that's probably, it might be more confusing than the AFC because there's really only seven teams you like in the NFC, but you could make an argument that any of the seven could be the best team in the NFC. That goes from the Saints to the Seahawks, the Packers. We're going to throw the Eagles in the NFC East out of this conversation, and we'll go to the Bucks, Rams, and Cardinals. So it's really six teams if you take out the NFC East. But any of those six teams that I just mentioned, again, Saints, Seahawks, Packers, Bucks, Rams, Cardinals, you can make an argument that they can be the best team or beat anyone in the NFC on any given day. For example, the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. The Saints uh, are 8-2, and two and they don't have a quarterback right now. They've had some uninspiring uh, performances. The Bucks have demolished teams. They have now been crushed by teams. The Packers, the same concept. It's absolutely wild. Pat Boyle, if I went to you and said, you need to put this 20 bucks on the best team in the NFC right now to win the NFC championship or be the, the last NFC team standing, what team are you putting that money on? Unfortunately, I got to put it on the Saints, Pete. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. I mean, and, I think I feel you, but continue. And, you know, that that's expecting that, – that's prerequisite of Drew Brees being able to return sometime around week 15 – uh, at the latest week 16, like they're expecting, they put him on IR. He's got to miss at least three games. They're expecting him to miss at most four, including the game on Sunday that they won against Atlanta. Uh, so, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, he should be coming back week 15. Even if it takes another week, uh, he should be back week 16. That gives him, uh, you know, a, a week to get his feet under himself before the playoffs. I mean, this is a playoff team. 
They're on the they're on the route to get the number one seed in the NFC, get the bye, get home field advantage. Uh, in years past, it hasn't mattered because the the NFL and the the referees hate the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they've gotten botched what two out of the last three years now. But uh, as I, I don't like this team, I don't like them. But damn it, they play good football, man. Another team with a tremendous offensive line. Uh, as much firepower as you could ask for at the skill set positions with Kamara, Latavius Murray, Thomas Sanders, um, and Jared Cook's been great. And obviously when Breeze is that quarterback, you know, he's controlling the line. He's controlling the game. Taysom Hill really held his own in that game against Atlanta. But then again, another team with an elite defense, getting after the quarterback, forcing takeaways, and fans are not, man. They are just a different animal when they're playing in the Big Easy in the Dome. Cam Jordan and Demario Davis and then that entire secondary have been absolutely rock solid all year. And we've seen them punish teams uh, more so than any other team in the NFL. Uh, To me, if they've got Breeze going into the playoffs, they're the hands-on favorite to get to the Super Bowl. The whole NFL could thank Mike Evans for waking up Marshawn Lattimore. (laughs) Yeah, great point. Dude, he's he, he literally like... I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna act like I watch the Saints secondary all the time, but just based off what I hear from all these different pods and things that I read, it's like, oh, he's been kind of weirdly not that great this year. Plays Mike Evans uh, in the Bucks and they crush him. It's like, all right, Sean Lattimore is like the best corner in the game again. Yeah, no, I think uh, Pat makes a great point. You know, I think tonight's game is also a pretty good indicator. Um, you guys want to give me a score update? I'm pretty sure Tampa Bay was down seven. 2417 um, as we speak. Okay. So, you know, if the Rams sneak away with this one, you know, I think we can confidently say after yesterday and after tonight, maybe that, you know, I don't know if the Bucks are it and I don't know if Green Bay is it. And then after that, there's a pretty solid drop off to the point where you have to say, you know, the Saints might be able to, you know, hold on to that top spot in the NFC. And, um, you know, we all consider ourselves football guys here, I, I'd assume. I'm going to tell you one thing watching Taysom Hill play football is a thing of beauty to me. You know, I might be a cornball saying that, but uh, a guy that, you know, the good old term, a Swiss Swiss Army knife, um, he's tremendous. You know, everyone I talked to, I was talking to Patty before this, everyone I talked to was all over the Falcons. You know, Taysom Hill can't throw. You know, he can't do this. He can't do that. Listen, you can't uh, count out Sean Payton. Um, you know, I knew all along, even even in the long term, I'm saying to myself, there's no way Sean Payton's going to ride it out with Jameis Winston. There's no way. He's got a weird obsession with Taysom Hill. Um, you know, he uses him. He gets him on the field as much as he can. He held his own at quarterback. He drew for a 250, I think. He was very efficient. No turnovers. Ran the ball, obviously, as he always does. And like Pat said, you know, it's, it's all going to line up for Drew Brees to come back. Hopefully they got the home playoff spots. But you know, I think you got to go with the Saints for sure. And, uh, you know, tonight, you know, people would say the Bucks, but if the Bucks go down to the Rams at home, you know, how are you going to say the Bucks? So You say the Rams. <laughs> well, yeah, no, definitely. That's a, that's a good point. It's just the Rams, like you like you always say, Pete, they'll, they'll get this win tonight, and then next week they'll go out, we'll bet on them, and they'll just absolutely <laughs> yeah. shit the bed, you know? And the Rams, uh, who do they got? They got the 49ers next week, so, like, they should win, right? Like, they should beat the nah. 49ers who were absolutely banged up. And then all of a sudden, you know, Nick Mullins throws for 380. Yeah. It's like, wait, what happened? How'd that happen? Exactly. It's, exactly. Uh, nah, it, it's it's straight up wild in the NFC because, you, you know, we haven't even mentioned the Seahawks yet. And, you know, they're 7-3. and three. Their offense can be absolutely awesome. 
but their defense is actually bad. Like it's not. We were joke like not we were joking, but we were saying like, oh, they're historically bad. They're historically bad. Like no, no, no. It's not like an exaggeration or an emphasis point to say historically bad. They've actually been historically bad this season. They're terrible on defense. Thankfully, though, they have a very easy strength of schedule remaining. So there's a great chance that they can come out on top of the NFC West. That being said, in one game in the playoffs, just talking about NFC West teams alone, you're putting up the Rams, you're putting up the Cardinals. We know that these two teams can beat the Seahawks. We've seen it already this season, right? So we know that. And that, and then how do you have the confidence to say that there's one best team? All these teams are flawed. And uh, to sit here and say that there is a true favorite, I think I think it's impossible, and I think that's why Pat's point may be the one to go with. It may be the best. And they're the team with the biggest question mark at quarterback, perhaps, right now. Right? The, the Saints are probably the only team, maybe if you want to say something about Jared Goff and the Rams, fine, but the only team in the NFC East that matters, counting out the NFC East, uh, the NFC playoffs, sorry, counting out the NFC East. They're the only team with a quarterback issue because Drew Brees is hurt right now. Now, this Taysom thing was nice against the Falcons. The Falcons are also Swiss cheese sometimes. So how does Jameis Winston look when uh, when they take on a real defense? Who do they have next week? I'm looking it up. They have the Broncos at Denver. Does Taysom Hill do what he did against Atlanta there? Or do we see Jameis Winston a little bit sooner than we think? So all this confidence we have in the Saints right now you know, he has 11 broken ribs, Drew Brees. And if he doesn't come back by week 14, 15, it's going to be pretty tough to say, all right, he's going to get a couple snaps in week 16 to get ready for the playoffs or week 17, whatever. So I, I, I don't know, but I like what Patty said. This team is just so damn solid throughout that taking quarterback out of it, which is really weird to say, they're the best team pretty much by far. That being said, I do like the the aspects or the, the prospects, I should say, of the Rams to sneak into a very advantageous situation in the playoffs and make a run back to the conference championship, perhaps another Super Bowl. But how can I say that with any confidence? This is something I kind of like. It's a gut feeling thing with this NFC right now. That's really all it is. Jameis isn't going to sniff the field, bro. There's no way. I'm calling it now. There's no. If, if Drew Brees, like, if it lines up that he's healthy, you know, God willing, all will be good, but... Even if they got to wait an extra week or two, Jameis ain't stepping the field. I'm yeah, calling it but, but out. But, dude, Taysom Hill was, what, 18-23 uh, this past week against the Falcons, something like that, 200-something. He didn't throw for a touchdown. He he ran for two. He fumbled late in the game. Didn't matter, right? If, if against the Broncos, he goes from 18-23 and 23 to, you know, 15-28, and 28, throws for no touchdowns again, hardly eclipses 200 yards, and they're laboring to get the ball into the end zone or laboring to get field goals, you don't think there's a point where Sean's like, yeah, all right, listen, against good defenses, this Taysom Hill thing may not be the same. I, I feel like that should have been the point. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pat. Go ahead. No, I just no, I, I was going to agree with you. I think he would have he would have started Jameis Winston against Atlanta, a exactly. team that had given up a ton of yards through the air on defense, a team that you could have you know manipulated with Jameis Winston. He went with Taysom Hill, threw the ball 23 times, ran it 10 times. Uh, put on a show. I, you know, I was uh, very surprised about how, it, you know, dominant of a performance he put on. Again, not a great defense. We'll see what he's able to do against Denver. But you can utilize his legs more against Denver, whereas, you know, you, you opt to throw the ball 23 times against Atlanta. You might only see him throw the ball 20, 19 times against Denver, and he might run it 12 and 13. And they might give, uh, you know, Murray and Kamara a combined 30 carries. So I, I think either way, I, I think they like where they're at with Taysom Hill until Breeze can return. And even if uh, Drew Brees, you know, for whatever reason, gets injured in the playoffs, it's going to be Taysom Hill. 
I think we saw that, uh, you know, on Sunday. Man, I want to see Jameis just sling again, man. You do. You love Jameis. I don't know why. Why do you love Jameis yeah, Winston? I, dude, it's it's must. It's must. If you don't have a rooting interest for his team, the games that he play in that he plays in are must watch television. Oh, they're absurd, dude. They're that's why. They're I, they're that's why I like him. I'm not like rooting for him in one way or another, but watching that man play with those receivers. With that, with that offense would be awesome to watch Michael Thomas be realized as a deep threat for the first time in his career because Drew Brees could can't throw it more than thirty five yards. Like would be fun, and watching Kamara out of the backfield with Jameis could be really fun yeah, until he throws three picks. There. But like, as a as a viewer, like I'm here for it. I'm here for it, especially yo. Jameis has been playing the Falcons his entire career. He's probably yeah. dropped four hundred yards on the Falcons like four times in his career. If I had to guess, I want to see him cook. I want to see if Sean Payton. Yeah can reel him in just a little bit, and we see 400 yards with only one pick instead of three. I don't know. Well, they're at Atlanta in two weeks, so who knows? That's maybe, what I'm saying. Maybe you might get a little look at him, but we'll he's see. definitely not going to – I don't think he sniffs the field in Denver. Me, me and Patty are firing off tonight. We're on the same We're on the same page here. Listen, Pete, he has, <laughs> what is it, five, six years of film, right, James yeah, Winston? Yeah, yeah. Five, six years of a game film? Sean Payton picked a guy who threw the ball four <laughs> times in his life. In the NFL, I heard I heard that Taysom Hill has five years of of NFL starting starting like, come on, bro, you got listen. I, I respect it. I you know I always pick a guy I try to get behind. But no, I'm being on, selfish because it's fun. I'm being selfish because it's fun. Thankfully, Taysom Hill is also fun. I did hear though, Taysom Hill had more career tackles than pass attempts coming into this game. That's <laughs> nasty punt. He's a nasty gunner on punt. Just want to say that. Yeah. Nasty gunner. Imagine they put him out there still during punt. The quarterback just stays sure out was, there. I'm pretty sure he was the protect. They said that pregame that he was the protector on punt, like in in pregame warmups. The guy was quarterback in the calling the calling the cadence on punt. It doesn't get better than that. Oh, that's amazing. And then uh, another wrinkle, though, just to add to Pat Boyle and your point, Mule. Drew Brees comes back and healthy. All these gadget things with Taysom Hill that we've seen in the past, but before he was the starter, don't become gadget. They're just weapons now. It's not a gadget. It's just a fucking machete on on Sean Payton's hip waiting to come out. Because if he can really throw it, if he can really throw it, it's not just like, oh, Taysom Hill's in. He's going to uh, do a weird run read option thing. It's like, no, no, no. He might sling. He might sling. So watch out. It'll be very fun. Uh, all right. Is there anything else to say about the NFC East teams? We, do you want to rip on the pack? Who do you want to rip on, Pat? You want to rip on somebody. I feel like you had some anger well, to get out of the way. I wanted to shame Carson Wentz some more. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're, they're an absolute dumpster fire waiting to happen. The fact that they're still somehow in first place is beyond me. They are terrible. Um, Doug Peterson, I think, is legitimately coaching for his job the rest of this season. And Carson Wentz is playing for his job the rest of this season. Um, you know, and again, to you know, Doug Peterson, first of all, I, we think New York media is bad. Listen to some of the interviews that Doug Peterson has to do with WIP and those guys. Mm-hmm. Dude, they, they like bring them on for like the coaches hit and they, and they play, <laughs> they're like, uh, I forgot how they set them up last week. They're like, uh, yeah, I, Patty, I listened to it. it they, uh, had Fred the intro came it. on. They, the lady said on the radio, she goes, you know, I just want to say right before he came on, I'm pretty sure he was on the line. She said, you know, 70% of the 70% of the Eagles failures is coaching. Just saying, she goes, I oh, Hello, Doug. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, "Yeah, hey, thanks for that, guys." Exactly, oh my god! Exactly. It, it like the dude, like they they crush him every week, um, and they crush Carson Wentz every week, and for a good reason. I've been saying it for a while, Pete. I know you tried to defend him early on. I don't know how you can anymore. It's indefensible he, at this point. You know, he's a guy still that is still making rookie mistakes 
in terms of he's trying to play hero ball. He's trying to make throws week in and week out numerous times a game that has, he has no business throwing. Throw the ball away. And he consistently is turning the ball over. Sione Taki-Taki for Cleveland with a pick six against him on Sunday. And, uh, again, Philly, uh, I, I don't I don't know if they'll win more than five games this year. I don't see more than two more wins for them on the season. Well, and they weirdly have, like, one of the easier schedules in the uh, in the league remaining, which uh, I think puts them, according to, like, the BS whatever, you know, playoff predictors, they're still the heavy favorite to, to win the NFC East. They're, they're so bad. So bad. Well, they got the so th- they got the Seahawks, Packers, Car- uh, Saints coming in. Then the Cardinals, the Cow. Oh, they got the Cowboys and Washington. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, the Eagles aren't the ones with the easy schedule. The, right? the Cowboys have the easy schedule coming up. They Don't call, the, blink now. The Cowboys are gonna get hot. Don't blink now. I mean, you know what, Andy Dalton. If we're gonna be if we're gonna be honest here, and I don't want to go completely hindsight twenty twenty here, he got a raw end of the deal. He, he came in and led the Cowboys to a win in his first, like, fill-in after Dak broke his ankle and then looked abysmal and got concussed. And we're like, yeah, Dalton sucks. He's terrible. Get him out of here. But, like, no, no, no. The, the, the point was when he first came in was like, okay, wait. The Cowboys aren't losing that much. Like, they're losing a bit from Dak to Dalton. Maybe they lost more than we thought. But Dalton doesn't completely suck, right? So he got the short end of the stick coming into a weird situation. Why not? Why not have the Cowboys um, win the NFC East? I mean, the Giants actually look like the best team in the NFC East over the past, like, three weeks, if you want to say that. Not saying much, but they probably do, right? But the Dallas Cowboys' schedule is by far the easiest. I'm going to read off their games now. Is there a chance that this NFC East is won by the Dakless Cowboys? We got the Red, uh, the football team, and we got the Ravens, the Bengals, the Niners, and then Eagles-Giants to end out the season for the Cowboys. Wow. So they have three NFC East games left, and that's really what it comes down to, right? Because these teams aren't beating anyone outside the East. So if they can beat the Bengals without Burrow, they can beat the Niners with all their injuries, and then if they win against the Eagles and the Giants, bro, that's the cakewalk right there for the Cowboys to win the NFC East. Bro, it's big blue. Giants are winning the NFC East. See, I want to say the same thing too, Pat, but – I'm watching the watching the Cowboys just beat up on the Vikings yesterday, which is they're playing hard, bro. Yeah, no, definitely. But when you really stop and think about it, you know they have some serious playmakers. Their defense is absolutely terrible. But you know, if Andy Dalton can get the ball to Ceedee Lamb like he did on Sunday, and Zeke Elliott can pop off a couple of big games, and Tony Pollard is a stud running back too, you know. They might be able to do something. I can't even. I can't even sit here and predict who's going to win that division. I really, <laughs> it's disgusting. I have no clue who's going to show up week in and week out. We, we, I mean, we teams. absolutely we know it's coming down to the last game yes. of the season. We know yes. that. Like we, we, it always does, and it's going to again this year. It's going to be feel- whatever teams are six and you know six and nine, and it's, the team with seven wins is going to get in. Well, if that Eagles tie comes back to get them the, the NFC East dub, that'll be hilarious because Mike Greenberg will be on Get Up telling all the former players who are like, this is the worst thing you could ever do is take a tie. And Greeny's like, this can literally statistically win you the division. And they're like, shut up, Greeny. Like, doesn't matter. He's going to be laughing his ass off. I'll, I'll be watching. <laughs> I feel like no, and no, nobody, gives the, uh, nobody gives the football team any credit. I don't either, but. You know, I mean, they, I don't know. yeah, they, Alex Smith, maybe. No, do yeah, give Alex know. Smith some credit, man. He had a good game, and he has, yeah. Again, we, we, it's easy to forget what he did when he was with Kansas City, because now we they have Mahomes, they have you know Golden Boy Mahomes, but uh, Alex Smith, and again, was with Kansas City, 
then nearly literally died. And now yeah. he's back playing quarterback in the NFL <laughs> and he's love- winning football games. Like, I don't know why. I you don't can't like, say that so I, bluntly. I love Alex. Like, I, I, I love I'm him. like literally in the moment, I'm like having an epiphany. I love Alex Smith. Like, I love that guy. I love how yeah, bluntly you just awesome. said he almost died. Dude, was- he literally <laughs> almost died be- from playing football. And now he's winning football oh games God. for the football team. How do you not? I mean, just the fact that they're the football team. Like, honestly, I think I, I just became like a low key, like number two, like my number two team just became Washington because they're so ridiculous. It's and so because ridiculous. of Alex Smith. And my boy Gibby with the fresh legs. Antonio Gibson, my guy lives Terry in the McGlore, end zone. Terry McGlory is a fucking beast. Yeah. They beast, live, dude. Oh, my God. We have a big football team podcast now. We're rooting for him. Let's go Washington. You know what? We got to pump the brakes on, on the football team. <laughs> You know, you know, it's funny. Someone said on the radio on uh, ESPN, I think it was Rosenberg, that he said uh, he was looking at, like, the listings on TV, and it just sounds so awkward. It says, the football team at the Bengals. Like, yeah. a football team playing at another team. Like, just, uh, like, that's, an, that's a whole different conversation we have. But it's just, uh, yeah, definitely. Alex Smith, comeback player of year. That's a given. Easy peasy, let um, easy. Yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll see. It's definitely, it's fun. They stink. They all suck. Bad football, but it's going to be fun. Like Pat said, it's going to come down to the end. And there's going to be some tight, contested, ugly NFC East football games that, you know, are going to determine who's going who's gonna to lose in the first round of playoffs. So, oh, it's yeah, Just to transition real quick, Pete, the last thing I want to hit on uh, before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh, team I wanted to absolutely hammer is Detroit. Um, and, you know, thoughts and prayers to you, one of the teams you bet on this week. Thank you, thank you. Uh, going against uh, one of the worst defenses in the NFL in Carolina. I heard a stack Kevin Kluger was calling the game. I think they, in the last 30 years, they were the worst third-down defense the NFL has seen in the last 30 years. And Detroit, one, couldn't do a single damn thing on third down. Two, you get shut out. Shut out against P.J. Walker and the Carolina Panthers with a terrible defense. I don't know why I even had a remote ounce of faith that Detroit could get on a roll. I've been saying it from the beginning, Matt Patricia, he got himself fired right there. He got himself fired uh, with that game because I don't see any way they come close to a playoff spot. Um, And he's gone at the end of the year. And that was it. Getting shut out against Carolina with the team they have. Granted, they had some injuries. Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola, DeAndre Swift. But Matt Stafford looked terrible. Awful game plan. The, The play calling that they were running for him. Um, and just all around, just abysmal. And Matt Patricia's as good as gone at the end of the year. And Detroit honestly has to seriously consider moving on from Matt Stafford. Yeah. Because they they are a mediocre team over the course of his career. And say what yeah. you want, when he had Megatron, they were exciting to watch. You know, they were right up there every year competing for the NFC North title. Yeah, they made, a few a long... made a few playoff appearances, right? Sure. Yeah, but they're a long ways from that. And I don't think they're going to get there again with the type of structure they have now. Uh, Patricia's as good as fired, in my opinion. And, yeah, just, dude, all, all around, just pathetic to watch. For uh, for Stafford and for the Lions' own good, it's time. It's time, right? It like, time. like Stafford could be, like, he makes perfect sense to be the next Broncos quarterback type of thing, right? Like, the Broncos seem to change quarterback. If Drew Locke, if they're done with Drew Locke, that's the perfect play. Joe, um, what's his name? John Elway will give Stafford a bag. You know, he gave Flacco a bag a couple years back. He'll give Stafford a bag. And he'll, and he'll yeah, and, and like, you know, it's not like Stafford is, you know, completely useless, but he looks completely useless on this team from time to time because they just seem to have none of their stuff together. And it's, it's terrible. I bet on them this week. They were a four and five football team last week. 
and they just got shut out by a Panthers team that has been sputtering lately, too. It's not like it's the Panthers that, uh, you know, week like six, seven, we were feeling real hot on. No, this is a Panthers team that's been sputtering. They don't have their quarterback, and they can't put a damn point on the board. That one hurt my feelings a little bit. Yeah, and their offensive line is uh, dog shit. And I would venture to say, Pete, that Detroit is going to be the the Cleveland Browns of the 2010s. Well, they've they've already been the Cleveland Browns kind of with Stafford almost. And so they've been right there, Patty. They made a couple playoff appearances. I think it's going to get even worse. I I don't think you see Detroit win more than maybe five, six games in a year for the next handful of years. Well, Matt Patricia has been getting fired for, you know, 22 weeks in a row at this point. I feel like I've heard on various TV shows, radio shows, podcasts for literally 22 weeks going back to the middle of beginning, middle beginning of last season that he should get fired. So, like, at, at one point the shoe has to drop and he actually has to be fired. Clearly he don't have the sauce. He don't have the juice in Detroit. It's time for him to say sayonara. Yeah, I mean, they backed into a couple of wins. Uh, you know, Atlanta gifted them a win. Washington gifted them a win. Uh, they beat Jacksonville, and they somehow beat Kyler Murray in Arizona in week three. God knows how. But I think yeah. that was one of the few weeks they had Galladay and Marvin Jones running around. I don't know. And they also, but they should have won week one. DeAndre Swift drops the touchdown in week one. If people forget, that feels like a, a century ago. They, this team... This team could have been like the worst five and four team ever if DeAndre Swift catches that ball. Who knows? But that's hindsight bullcrap. Who knows what we're saying right now? And I'm going to throw this out there right now. The Detroit Lions could somehow walk into two wins in their next two games against the Texans and at Chicago. And we could be looking at a six and six team. And I know everyone who's listening and going to say, "Oh, Pat, you're crapping on Detroit." Now look, now they're six and six. They're right back in the, in the thick of things. They could be six and six. They'll finish six and ten. They'll lose to Green Bay, Tennessee, Buccaneers, Vikings. They don't win more than six games this year, if that. And Patricia gets the axe on January fourth. I think Pat. I think Pat's so confident he's going to fire Patricia himself. He's going to call in the front <laughs> office and say, "Let me do it." Um, now, I'm not. I'm. And to speak, I'll make a quick point. You guys really touch on everything. Matt Stafford. All he does every year. He pads up the stats. Great fantasy quarterback. You know, he throws the throws a nice deep ball. You know, he's pretty he's pretty solid. Even when they had decent teams, and I'm I'm one to think they have a pretty decent team right now. It's either they're seven and nine, six and ten, or like you said, Pete, a couple of appearances to the playoffs, losing the first round. It's it's not. I don't know if it's him, but it's definitely time for him to maybe get a fresh start somewhere else, or just you know, I don't know because. I've never been a big Stafford guy. I know a couple people that are big on him. I know he's got I kinda a am. talent, but yeah, no, you know, I just, I don't know. He's just never done it for me. He's never, I know you just, I see a crazy stat every once in a while that he's got like a good amount of fourth quarter comeback. Wins, he's he's is, got like is, the second most in the league behind Russell Wilson since like he entered. You, yeah. Would you ever guess that? No, ever? but no, I, I would because I've heard the stat so many times, but also yeah, because they only win. When he does that, like that's, they don't win other games. Like they don't just go ahead stay ahead, and win. They either go ahead, almost blow it, blow it, and then come back. Like, it's always an absolute shit show with the Lions, even when they are a talented team. And they were a team this year that was looked at as one of these sneaky sleepers who would have a chance to make that extra playoff spot. And technically, they still are one of those teams, but it doesn't seem to be in the cards, even though they beat the cards earlier this year. Uh, And did you say Stat Padford before? Is that what you said? Yeah, I said Matt Stat. Uh, actually, you said it better than me. I said Statford, but I like what you just stat, what was that? Stat Padford. Padford, that is great. There you go. I like that, bro. How I you doing? You stole my thunder. There. That's awesome. I stat, thought that's what Pat, you said. I, I wanted to be sure. 
Stat Pafford. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah, nice. Good stuff. I would do a whole recap of our picks and stuff, Pat. Do we want to go through that quick? It's pretty much. Yeah, we we'll, can... do, we'll do it on, uh, you know, Friday or whenever we decide to do it this week. I don't think it's worth doing the Thanksgiving games. No. Because uh, two of them are horrendous games. Yep. Um, I think you got to be an idiot to put money on the Texans-Lions game or the Cowboys-Washington game. Oh, no. So I'll, I'll 1 I'll, million I'll definitely... percent be betting the Cowboys yeah. on Thursday. I'll, I'll get... <laughs> I'll be that idiot, Pat, that bets on. I'll Bobo's bet on all three. Game. I'm gonna bet on all three. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's Thanksgiving. Crying, Let it ride. Be crying into your stuffing as you're eating. That's fine. Yeah, That's what the stuffing's put for. Money on the Texans. That you, <laughs> you, you, you eat the stuffing. You eat the turkey. You sit on the couch. You take a nap. You, you don't even have to watch your team lose, Pat. You just, you just bet it. Who cares? It's Thanksgiving. Take the over under oh. if you, if you don't want to bet on a team. It don't matter. Just bet. It's Thanksgiving. There's football on. You just bet it. It's like for me on Christmas Day. I, I bet on every NBA game. I don't care. It's Christmas Day basketball. This is Thanksgiving football, right? As far as I'm concerned at this very moment in time, I'm betting on the Cowboys. I'm betting on the Lions, and I'm betting on the Ravens, baby. Let's, let's freaking let's ride. Go. Oh, my God. You absolutely Let's degenerate. go. You sicko. Yo, Pat, Pat, I'm going to tell you something, bro. You got This might be, I don't know. he has got to do something in this pig spot, bro. Oh, my he, God. Thank God. Thank God you guys aren't going on before Thursday because he'd go like 0-9. Oh, so yeah. you guys are just lucky that you're not going before Thursday. It's getting hey, bad out here, bro. Dude, hey, look, man, you know, if you were, if anybody was a devout listener of the Boyle and Shen show last year, I was brutal with the picks last year. So trust me, it, it takes time. It's like, it's like a rookie quarterback. You got you to gotta progress. You got to mature. Well, and this is going to sound – this is going to sound like a real – reach and going to sound like I'm crying wolf and I'm just being that guy. But like before we started doing the picks pod, my straight bets were, were decent. They were decent. And I was getting smoked on my four team super teaser every week. So I was still coming down in the negative, but it was not due to my straight bets. They were keeping me alive, at least keeping me around even just above maybe. And now I am just abysmal. Like it's, it's pathetically bad. The, the amount of, uh, self-hate and morbidness in me and Mule's text chain is amazing. You need to be there. <laughs> like, Oh my God. We're okay though. We're okay. I promise. No, listen, Pete, everybody, listen, everybody loves a good comeback story, brother. That's what I'm saying. Everybody loves one. That's it. We're going to get hot on Thanksgiving. Maybe not you, but we'll get hot this week. We carried into the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, we, we sail off into the sunset. That's what I'm saying at minimum. And cause I'm just saying it's Thanksgiving. You got to let something ride. You just throw in a, just blindly throw in a three team parlay and just see what happens. It doesn't matter. It's Thanksgiving. Be thankful that we got football on, baby. We might not even Definitely. be able to, we can't give our grandparents a hug, but we got football on, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry, Super. Grandpa. Can't fucking Super. touch you, but I'm watching football. <laughs> oh, my Super God. Off your chest watching football, letting the parlay ride. That's it. Better, man. You it. can't ask for much more. I love that. Uh, that that pod just ended so well. It made me so happy. Um, let's do some last words here just as, before we say goodbye as we do every episode. Uh, Mule, I'll go to you first. I know you're probably not being prepared for this, but give me some last words for SST. Absolutely, man. That was a fun one for sure. <laughs> um, first off, happy Thanksgiving to you guys, your families, uh, all your all the devoted listeners to the Subway Sports Talk. Um, you know, week, what, is, what are we in? Week 10, 11? I don't even know anymore. I think we're 12. going to week 11. 12. We're going to week, week 12. 12. 12, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry. Um, as I'm about to lose my Monday Night Football bet, um, <laughs> <laughs> as I'm about to lose my Monday Night Football bet, let's see where the rest of the year takes us, man. You know, like we talked about tonight, hopefully my fins can pull through, you know, win against the Jets and the Bengals, be in the hunt. 
you know, I told Patty before the show, you know, we went four and 12 last year at five and 11. Uh, the fact, the simple fact that we're in competition for possibly a last wild card spot, you know, I got to be happy. I can't sit here and complain as much as I do. Um, so I'm definitely happy that I get to watch a, a winning football team. Um, I'm going to keep betting on the Brownies. Like I told Pat before, I'm rooting, for, I'm rooting for the Browns, even though it might come down to us and the Browns, Pat. I'm definitely, I'm definitely on the Browns train a little bit. But uh, yeah, let's let's see what happens the rest of the year, man. It's been fun for sure. Fantastic, and thank you, Mule, for uh, bringing your knowledge and your your fun to this pod. Appreciate you, uh, Patty Boyle. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Love you, brother. Thanks for the Thanksgiving shout out. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, in the spirit of the holidays, Thanksgiving dinner, a well made, I should say, an exceptionally made green bean casserole is the dark horse winner of any Thanksgiving plate. Wow. I love that, bro. My mom makes a mean one. I love that, Pat. There you oh. go. You don't you want a nice mean, green bean casserole. You want a mean one. Or, yeah, you get your parents or whoever's making dinner to make a mean green bean <laughs> casserole. <laughs> eat the cake. And pumpkin pie. Cold pumpkin pie if you eat it hot. Oh, if you eat it hot. Hot, sweet, hot sweet potato pie, though. If you eat hot pumpkin pie, you're an incel. Hot, hot, hot sweet potato pie, though. Don't, don't I've sleep. I've never had that. I don't oh, know about that. On. I've never had that. Talk to me. A little, a little melted marshmallow pie, on top. Casserole. I'm ready to eat right now, dude. I'm hungry. Let's go, baby. Let's ride. All right. My last words. First of all, shout out to, to Rocco Dell, Coach Dell, our guy, not with us today, has uh, something going on with his life. All good, all exciting, all all stuff that we hopefully will talk about on the pod. We'll have him back uh, at some point in the near future. Um, but shout out to him, of course. And then I do want to say this before my last spiel. I'm thankful for the Knicks not making terrible moves so far in free agency. Not to say that they've been spectacular, not to say that they're now this amazing franchise, but they clearly did not make bad moves. And that is something to be thankful for. It's the little things in their life. It's the mean green bean casserole. It's Leon Rose trading for uh, the 27th pick and the 38th pick to the 25th pick and the 33rd pick. It's the little things, baby. And I'm thankful for the Knicks. I'm thankful for their direction. We will have a podcast in the near future talking all things draft, free agency, and Knicks and whatnot. So I'm thankful for that. And then last but not least, you guys both said it, Pat Boyle and Chris Mule. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. When I get a text or a tweet or I see you outside sometime, we can't see each other out much anymore, but you get the point. When somebody hits me up and is like, yo, the pod's been great. The pod's been great. I appreciate it. That stuff is awesome. You don't know how good it makes all of us feel. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for shouting us out. We're going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep making picks. Even if they suck, we're going to try to get better. But thank you so much for listening. There's not much more else to say than that. Subway Sports Talk. I'm Pete Kennedy for Pat Boyle, Chris Mule. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll be back with basketball, and we'll be back next week with more football and picks, baby. Let's ride.